Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talks podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew, joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How are you doing? I'm doing good, how are you doing? Doing good today, yep, doing alright. Uh, what have you been playing on the video games recently? Um, mostly grounded. I've kind of switched over to PC, which is why I love uh, cloud saves, because it was didn't have to do anything, just had to launch the game under my Xbox app since I did buy it on uh, console way back in the day. It just ported right over. Uh, finished the Haze Lab. I'm to the end part of the Black Ant Lab. The problem is is that this is your first uh, mini-boss fight, and I'm kind of getting my face kicked in on it. So I've been watching a couple strategies, and I'm kind of to the point now where I decide, do I just keep trying and failing and trying again, or do I need to leave get different equipment, come back, and try harder. And so I'm kind of at that that balancing act of, you know, since the creatures respond, do I want to go all the way out, fight everything on the way out, restock everything, fight all the way back in, or just keep trying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, outside of that, nothing really big. You know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Oh, this was this just hit Game Pass. Uh, try that for like five minutes. Uh, this I haven't seen before, and it's got a demo. It's you know, try that and wait, so. Okay. Speaking of Game Pass, have you tried Scorn? I have not. I have seen a lot of the people that I follow on Twitch uh, playing that, so I know that that's a big thing. I think a couple of them were even sponsored streams, which is cool for them because, you know, mm-hmm. they get paid more for doing something they were going to do already, so that's nice. never a bad thing. Yeah. And I've always said with sponsored stuff, as long as you're upfront about it being sponsored, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yes, hello, Manscaped. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, cool, nice. Um, <clears throat> no, because I was browsing the Game Pass today. I was I was setting up Twitch on my Xbox uh, Series X because um, I thought it would be a better platform to watch Twitch, a better a better device to watch Twitch on. Because I was watching a bit more of Bex play um, Little Nightmares Two, which was which was nice. I'm going to watch some more uh, later on as well. So I do watch a lot of Twitch on my Xbox when I'm like prepping something else that way i can have a bigger screen uh the biggest problem i run into is doing anything chat related like if i'm just going to be backgrounding it i don't mind it but like if you need to interact at all it's terrible because mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta d-pad it one letter at a time and it takes forever to type oh in yeah out. the chat system on twitch via xbox is not good <laughs> um but it, these are you also can't do uh go on you also can't do emotes very well. Um, you, if you want to support, you can't do bits. You can't do uh, gift subs or anything like that. So it makes it kind of tough. Yeah, Twitch Twitch needs to realize that not everybody watching is on PC. Um, you know, I, I think you can do it via the phone app. Um, but you can as well, and that has its own weird issues. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll watch it on my mobile when I'm like at lunch or something, and it. It uh, profanity filters the weirdest things. Yeah. Like it'll show up as asterisks and then you got to touch on the asterisks to show it. And I've had like LMAO get uh, profanity filtered <laughs> and things like that. And there is no setting to turn it off and it pisses me off so much. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, it's, it's like if I had accidentally left it on and could turn it off, that's one thing. But the fact that I have no options for that. I'm 48 years old. I don't need my profanity filtered. I grew up around <laughs> truckers and sailors. Trust yeah. me. There's no combination of swear words you could say that I haven't heard or worse. Right. Yeah. 
Nice. Um, <clears throat> but no, that was, that was good on there. I just noticed, because um, when I went to look at Game Pass early, I just was having a browse because I was on my Xbox. And I saw that Scorn was, was on there. So, which has been getting like fours from different places. I, I, I saw a few people tweeting about the um, checkpoint system. Anyway, um, I've been continuing with Dreamlight Valley, um, which is getting it's getting busy. It's getting busy, which is which is good. Um, I'm getting more and more characters added. Um, I added Wally the other day. Um, kind of a very quick mission, actually, or a bit 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 of uh, progress there to to get him to to join you. Um, I went into the frozen world. I met Elsa and is it Anna? Elsa and Anna, I think mm-hmm. that's their names. Um, but I have to get like a bunch of stuff to make something to progress that so i kind of exited and and did some other stuff what i don't mind about dreamlight valley is even though because i've got like a whole bunch of list of things to do which is which is good because it gives me more options and options is important in a game like that when like I, if i progress in part of, of a, a friendship quest or a realm quest or a story quest and if a character suddenly says hey you need 150 softwood or hardwood or what or like rope or whatever and I'm like, okay, what I'll do, I'll come back to that. But while I'm going off and doing something else, I'll be picking things up on my way. And then I'll hopefully pick up enough of those things during doing other things. Because you can kind of multitask a little bit while you're playing that game. Um, and I will go off and just do an easier quest until I get more stuff from, from another place. Um, so that's been interesting. Um but yeah, you know, it's getting busy. I'm getting a few characters in the in the world, which is good. Um, so that's nice. It is a little bit grindy at points, but I'm I'm getting more used to it. Um, plus, I also never thought I'd be playing a game like this, to be honest. So it's still been good. Um, it it has missed a bit of an opportunity with haptic feedback, which I don't expect because this is on Xbox and I think it's going to be on Switch at some point. And it's on PC, so it's on like everything. So it's like a full on third party game, and it's on PS4. Uh, sort of I think it's already on Switch. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but a uh, little bit of a missed opportunity there. It's, it, it's it's strange going from a game where I do feel some haptic feedback to a game where there's like none of it. There's not even really many vibrations or anything in the controller. It's just like like it feels almost sort of empty. So, um, but that's more of like a personal preference kind of thing. That's not a knock against the game. That's just a sort of hey, you kind of missed a bonus opportunity with this but um i understand that not every third party game is going to have that in there so that's that's fine um so that's been good but no i've met uh moana's dad who i still can't remember the name of uh the the dwayne johnson voiced character he's very kind of big and loud so that's interesting um he literally just walks around dreamlight valley flexing his muscles so that's interesting um to be fair i'm sure the rock does that pretty much all day too anyway so yeah yeah um fair enough you know uh but there's that who did who else did i unlock um i noticed ursula moved from the cave that she was into the ponds she kind of pops up in the ponds when you're fishing which makes sense she's a water-based character Uh, i was kind of wondering where they were going to put her because there is the beach that you can unlock i thought she was going to swim around in there and maybe she does when you go over to it but she started popping up in the ponds which is interesting. Um, but the, still the best part about that game is like having the vibrant sort of Disney atmosphere while you're doing stuff. So like you'll be gardening or fishing or doing whatever and characters will be 
walking around, talking, doing stuff. Because they don't just kind of mill around the map. They actually, like, go off and do their own um, fishing and, and things like that. So, um, the character that kind of annoys me the most, and I get that it's part of his personality, is Scrooge McDuck. Because he stands around, um, I think with his walking stick or whatever, and he has this little bag of money, and he just he walks over to you and he just, he just juggles it. He's like, hey, got to get the economy better, got to get more money, and it's like, go away. <laughs> but... Um, I get that that's uh, kind of the point of his character or whatever. So, uh, but no, I'm I'm enjoying it, which is the which is the main thing. Um, so there's all that. Uh, big event's going to be happening this week um, on Thursday, this upcoming Thursday. I'm not sure what the date of that is, but this upcoming Thursday, going to be having my last session with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 19. Not because I'm quitting COD, but because I'm moving to the next game and I'm not going to play both of them. Um, so I'm going to have that. I've got a specific idea of how I want my like last game to line up with you know doing well and that sort of stuff so look out for that and then of course uh this time next week when we come back to the podcast i'll have played i don't know if i would have finished but i would have at least played some of the modern warfare 2 campaign which i'm very much looking forward to and then the weekend after that i'll have put my first couple of sessions into the modern warfare 2 multiplayer so uh, this is kind of the uh the pre-podcast for, for for all of that so looking forward to doing all of that um, but no, that's pretty much what we've been playing, what we've been up to. Um, I've messed around with like a couple of other games like you have as well. Uh, but mainly it's been Dreamlight Valley. So, there we go. Uh, let's take a quick little break, do some housekeeping, and then we'll come back after that and then do some news. See you for all that in a minute. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is UK. That's E-T-A-L-K. UK to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes, whether you're on a podcast player or the website uh, version of the episode, and you can go and click on that link in the show notes. That's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well, so you can either copy and paste the promo code ETALKUK, E-T-A-L-K-U-K. You can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20% off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very very first class very professional so no questions about manscaped's quality thanks very much to manscaped for sponsoring entertainment talks podcast and thank you very much for listening Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system which is usually in the bottom right hand corner to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today so that's Kualu and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talks previous ad-free podcasts and 
the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned. And it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show. Or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month, and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts, and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, so recently on Entertainment Talk, I had a game earlier today, which was Man United nil, Newcastle nil. Um, Very kind of -of run-of-the-mill, goalless draw sort of game. Uh, It's a bit disappointing, but we didn't lose, and there were some positive things to talk about, so there's all of that. Um, Marvel reviews uh, that I've done this week as well. Uh, One of them I gave a must-see, I gave both Marvel reviews must-see ratings, but uh, one of which was for a special presentation, a Disney Plus television film. Uh, it was called Werewolf by Night. I did a spoiler-free and spoiler-split sections of that. That's like an hour-long sort of television film that's available on Disney Plus. Uh, so I quite enjoyed that. I've I've seen that most people seem to have to have quite enjoyed that. Um, something a bit different for the sort of adjacent MCU type of type of area. So we'll see if that goes anywhere in the future. Uh, but that was really really good. Uh, did another podcast and another why you should watch episode. We've had the final episode for C, which is the Jason Momoa led um, fantasy ish kind of drama on Apple TV Plus. It's had its three seasons all out, and it fits with the way I wanted to talk about it with a why you should watch podcast. So that's a completely spoiler free episode talking about the qualities of the show. Um, main I'd also beat Ammonia by one goal to nil, very, very late win by Scott McTominay with his goal, but that was a much, sort of, better game, so that was really good. Uh, She-Hulk, people talk about She-Hulk, uh, I did give it one of my must-see ratings, uh, I give it the lower tier of that, and I, I talked about my rating system of that on the podcast, some people didn't enjoy it, some people did, um, but it is what it is, and that is the first season of She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, not sure if it's getting a second season, but I'm sure she'll pop up again. At some point, if you've not seen the show, there is a spoiler-free section again at the start. Uh, the Walking Dead has is still continuing. It's got its last... Uh, there's only six episodes left of this final season, but we've covered up to season 11, episode 18. There's just six episodes left, so we're continuing with that on Wednesdays. Uh, May United also beat Everton by two goals to one. Goals from... Um, uh, from Ronaldo as well, which was very, very good. So that was a good win over there. Last week on Gaming Talk, we talked about a big update from CD Projekt Red regarding New IP, The Witcher, and Cyberpunk. We also talked about that Super Mario trailer and rumours of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare 2. Um, and that is pretty much everything we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. Let's get into some news. All 
Alright, so our first story. Um, I like to sort of put what I consider the headline at the at the top, usually. Um, there has been other things that have happened and come out since this news, but this is still pretty big. Um, this hasn't been confirmed by Gorilla or by Sony, but there's lots and lots of wide reports that a Horizon Zero Dawn, the 2017 original game uh, for PS4, is getting a remake slash remaster. People have got different ideas as to what a remake and a remaster actually is. We can possibly dig into that a little bit here. Um, interesting. Um, you know, there was a lot of backlash and sort of like, you know, why is The Last of Us Part 1 getting a remake? Naughty Dog attent- attempted to explain it. And, you know, some people understood, some people didn't. Um, I suppose there, there's not really a right or a wrong sort of this game should or should should or shouldn't get remastered, remade. It depends depends how you look at games, I suppose. Because there's also the other option, which is ports. You know, you've got really really old sort of PS1 games that you know have been sort of ported to PS5. Then you've got newer games which have been remade and remastered. Um, so one one kind of point to go off of with this. Is okay. So Naughty Dog commissioned not Naughty Dog, sorry. Sony commissioned um, Naughty Dog to do a remake of Last of Us Part One, and the um, points that Naughty Dog put forward was, hey, we can take some of the technology and the newer character models, you know, the visuals and things like that, and also having haptic feedback and things like that. We can take this old 2013. I mean, 2013 is not old; it's just, uh, almost 10 years old-ish P- PS3 game. And make it better on PS5. <clears throat> and the discussion went around as to, okay, does this need to happen? Uh, because there was also the 2014 version of The Last of Us 1. That wasn't part 1, but it was Last of Us 1. And so, yeah, if fundamentally, if, if okay, if you look at The Last of Us 1 remaster, uh, which is also playable on PS5... Does that need to be a be- does there need to be a better version of that game? No, there doesn't need to be, but from a fundamental basic point, yes. If you look at the Last of Us Part One, the PS5 version, it is a bet. It is the best version of that game. It didn't need to be created, but it was because of they they wanted to do certain things from Last of Us Part Two. So there's that, there's our argument there, and that's. The Last of Us, the original version, is an older game than Horizon Zero Dawn. It's also from a previous generation. It, it is it is a PS3 game, um, which was... Let, let's be honest, the remastered version was basically, okay, slightly better graphics and make it playable on PS4. Because in the same year, the PS4 came out and people were moving on. And because PS3 games are really awkward. So if you put all that to that sort of point... And it's a talking point that's worthy of happening because... It's a recent example of like, oh, so does Sony need to be going and remastering, remaking these two games? One of which has already happened, one apparently is going to happen. So you take Horizon Zero Dawn, a 2017? Yes, 2017, so mid-ish PS4 generation um, game, which is also playable on PS5. It's not got all the bells and whistles it could have on PS5, but a remaster slash remake is being commissioned for it. Now, if you look forward to was it this year, wasn't it? Um, Forbidden, Forbidden West, yeah, 2022. Okay, so then you have a PS4, PS5 hybrid, um, not cross-gen, what's the, what's, what's the word that they use? 
but when it's on both both gens, there's a word for it, but it's not coming to my mind. Multi multi generation. Yeah, that that sort of word. Um, so you can buy it on PS4 or P- or PS5. It will still be great on PS4, but it will be a better version of the game on PS5 with all the bells and whistles. Now, when I look at what Horizon Forbidden West, which is the second game, the newest game from this year, sure, graphically it's better, frame rates, things like that, it's probably better. When Naughty Dog made the distinction of like, hey, there's things from The Last of Us Part 2 that we want to copy and put into Part 1 to make a better version of Part 1, because you've also got different game generations, you've got three different generations as opposed to two which you've got with Horizon. So what could Gorilla, who's the developer of the Horizon games, what could Gorilla do to say, hey... From Horizon Forbidden West, the 2022 sequel, what technology and features and things could we take and apply those to a version of the first Horizon game? So I'm trying, I'm trying to use the same argument, which is, hey, we've got this, we, we made a sequel that's better. What can we use from the sequel that is better in terms of technology and features that we can apply those things to the old game and use that to remake the old game? That's the fundamental idea from what I understand. Um, and make a more definitive version of your previous game. I don't see, apart from yeah, better graphics, um, frame rates, accessibility obviously is, a, is is an important thing. Um, I'd argue that accessibility is more important than the other two features. But all, all, all three are basic things that you could put into a game to make it better. In terms of the other stuff, so like with Last of Us Two to Part One, you had like the workbench system and other things like that, which. There's just not as many things in Horizon Forbidden West where I think, oh, if you applied these features and these gameplay things to Zero Dawn, it would make Zero Dawn a better game. Because when I played Forbidden West, I thought, okay, this is a better game because it's newer, it runs better, the audio is better, the character development's pretty good. There was only a couple of like gameplay implementations to where I thought, oh, this is what definitively makes this the better game in terms of like gameplay features or haptic feedback or any of that type of stuff and one one of the reasons you can't really do that as much is because Zero Dawn is a newer game than The Last of Us Part 1 or Last of Us 1 or whatever one you want to want to put um, it's also because it's a PS4 game and The Last of Us 1 is a PS3 game so um, that, that that's in a general scope that's how I'm sort of looking at it and Sure, when this remake for Zero Dawn comes out, because it, it looks like it's it's pretty likely to be happening, will it be a better version of the PS4 version of Zero Dawn? Probably, because it will probably still have, again, graphics, frame rates, accessibility options, maybe new character models or something. And it, here's the other thing as well. Now, obviously it's been five years since I've played Zero Dawn. I don't remember the specific like details of the character models, because that was one thing about Part 2. It was like, hey, we're going to take... Some of the Part 2 character models, use those. And then for other characters that aren't in Part 2, we're going to make new character models for them so that you make your character models look better. There's also not as many notable characters in Horizon as there is in in The Last of Us franchise. Um, And, yeah, I'm just not... I'm not sort of seeing how this will massively benefit the this this game as much as the other one um because of everything i've just i've just laid out uh, anyway robert what do you think of what do you think of the the situation here with horizon getting a remake 
I think there's only really two questions that kind of matter. Uh, the first is, is the fan base demanding this? And mm. second, can it be done at a level to where it'll make a profit? Because you, you always have to make a profit when you can with video games. So if the fan base is massively demanding this, then yeah, you should make it. Um, if they're not and you make it, are they going to buy it? If they don't, then you're just going to lose out on a ton of money. So those are the only real factors. I did play it. Um, I finished it for the story mode. I, I didn't go into the, like the collectibles and the unlocks and the whatnot. So mm -hmm. yeah, the biggest thing that issue that I had with that game was that you would get missions and then unless the mission was active, anything you, that you do would technically satisfy that mission wouldn't trigger. Like if you got a mission to kill 10 X or whatever, and that wasn't active, you could kill a hundred X and it wouldn't complete the mission, which I found very annoying. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on a base level, what I'm saying is when they when Naughty Dog started saying, hey, here's some features that we can put in that will make this game better, I'm like, okay, that is definitively a better game. I just don't know how you improve that much a game from 2017. Like, it's 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 fairly new. Now, if they, if they, make, a, if they make a choice here... Because there's two choices they, they, that they can do. You either do a full-blown, from-the-ground-up kind of remake, which is what part one was, and it was $70. People agreed or disagreed that it should, should or shouldn't be 70 Again, if you don't want to pay $70 for part one, then don't do it. Nobody's making you do it. If you still want the game, you can either wait for a sale. Um, if you're in the UK, you can sign up for Boomerang Games if you want to do it that way. Uh, just throwing out suggestions. Um, or if, you know, you have PS Plus or something, obviously it's going to take a bit of time, but um, maybe if you have PS Plus, there'll be a PS Plus discount, or it'll be added to PS Plus at some point, maybe in a couple of years. You have to make that choice yourself as a consumer. It's called voting It's called voting or talking with your wallet. Like, what, what do you want to spend money on in terms of the game industry uh, or, or the games that you want to buy? Um, See, the thing for me... Okay, so they, they can either do that, say, like, hey, here's Horizon Zero Dawn, full-blown PS5 remake, $70. I don't think that's the right path to, to go down, just because, again, Zero Dawn's only five years old. Last of Us, part, Last of Us 1 was, like, is like nine years old now, so that there's just that time difference. Um, or you can do what Death Stranding and Ghost of Tsushima did, which is you do a director's cut version. And like, hey, we're going to put some new... I don't remember the specifics of what were there in those two versions of the game, but they're obviously like improved versions. And I think they charged like... I think it was 30 for Ghost of Tsushima or like $10 for um, Death Stranding. It was, it was something like that. It was like an upgrade fee as opposed to a new game. If you do it, that that's the way that makes more sense to me. Um, and I was listening to a bit of Sacred Symbols this week. I don't get to catch much of it because the episodes are so long. Um, and Chris over there was suggesting that, okay, if you... Okay, so it's on like a basic function level. Yeah, if you make a PS5 version of Zero Dawn and you do, okay, better graphics or new character models, accessibility options which are important, frame rates, you know, that, that te technology sort of stuff... And then you charge, let's say, between ten to thirty dollars, or maybe if you already own Zero Dawn digitally or on PS4, you can upgrade your version that you've already got. There's ways that you can do that. My other argument, not against this per se, but my my argument against it is kind of you can get this game anyway on PS5 or PS4, regardless of which platform you're on. Is 
Okay, so with with PS4 and PS5 games, most of them, if not all of them, are playable on PS5. There's not really as many backwards compatibility issues. They've done some decent work with the PS1 and PS2 games with the um, extra. Is it called extra or whatever it's called? Premium of PS Plus. It's not perfect, but it's it's a better option than what they used to have, which was nothing. The, the, these PS3 games are really a sticking point. And I was going to go, I, I didn't, I either forgot to do it or I didn't have time to do it. I was going to go through, I could probably do it next week maybe, and look at some, look at a list of some PS3 games. Because there's things like the Sly Cooper games, there's the Resistance games, there's like Infamous, there's, there's games like that. They're a big Sony kind of IP that they're not really doing much with. Instead of like being a bit more nitpicky and looking at your bigger IP like Last of Us and Horizon, which are obviously big IP for Sony... I mean, both of them are getting live-action adaptions, right? I think Horizon's got a sh- uh, film, is it? And Last of Us got a TV show. So they're clearly a big IP for Sony and Uncharted as well. Instead of going back and remastering games that aren't that old, they really need to find a better way of putting PS3 games onto 4 and 5. Um, but again, it was that stupid self-processor and everything like that because well, one one thing that did kind of annoy me, and I, th- I think I did mention it on the podcast at the time. If I didn't, I'm going to mention it now. They put out a thing recently, and I think it was the 10-year anniversary of Sly Cooper. They're like, hey, you can stream the PS3 versions on your PS5. And I think I messaged you at the time, and I, I thought, like, okay, if I can buy these games and stream them like, in my own time or whatever, instead of being subscribed to it, you couldn't do that. So, yeah, there was this nice celebration of like Sly Cooper, and I, I, I want to play those games, but I don't want to be hooking my PS3 back up because I've not got shelf space, and it's just awkward. Um, try to work on getting those PS3 games on, onto 4 or 5. Do, do ports or remasters or remakes or whatever it is you need to do. Because this streaming option just isn't it. But the, the, the other option, the, the other problem with, okay, streaming them is, okay, you have to, in order for me to go on my PS5 now and play those Sly Cooper games, which I want to play, I have to subscribe to that particular tier of PS Plus, and I don't want to do that. You should give, be giving me the option to buy them. So, yeah, there's too many still noteworthy, biggish kind of titles on PS3 that are actually stranded on that platform. In fact, I think the only Grand Theft Auto game that you can't play on PS4 and 5, obviously, obviously you can play um, you can play GTA 5, obviously. You can play the other, the old trilogies. Um, the only, I think the only GTA game you can't play on PS5 is GTA 4 because it's only available on PS3. You can't play it on PS4, you can't play it on PS5 or anything. Um so you've got games like that that are stranded as well. So um what what do you make of like, you know, the PS3 games being stranded and what 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 choices Sony's making in terms of what games to what games to go back to basically? The um Yeah, I mean obviously with what games to go back to really depends on uh the company, where the IP is, who owns the IP, what are the licensing rights, things like that. Um, the thing with streaming is that Sony doesn't have the background or the architecture to really do that. And I know this is something that yeah. I personally talked about a few times on the podcast, um, but it's the reason why Microsoft is so successful with it and the reason why their xCloud service, while not perfect, has the best chance to survive because – they spent years programming computers. They spent decades programming computers and being on the internet and 
doing things digitally and having service level and yada and yada and yada. Um, and until Sony catches up to that point, there's always going to be those problems. Mm. Yeah. See, it's not just because I, I agree with you that the quality of streaming, because I tried to stream that Toy Story Mania game when, when they first launched the new PS Plus and like that and like Woody's lip syncing was off and I was like, nah, this this is now I want to play this game. Um, wasn't going to be my favorite Toy Story game to play because it was Toy Story Mania, but it was still Toy Story. So I still wanted to experience it. I started playing the game and like the audio was out of sync. The lip syncing was out of sync because it was streaming. And I was like, nah, this isn't this isn't the way to play this game. Um, it's not just an issue of Sony's quality of streaming. I don't want to stream video games. I don't want to do that. I also don't want to pay for a service to do that. I want to buy the games individually, have them downloaded and play them when, I, when I'd when i like to choose to. Um, or the other option, which is that you let me put PS3 discs in my PS5, but that's that's a pipe dream. Yeah. <laughs> but and it, it's, when it's I a... say this about... Uh... I said this about Microsoft. It's not like they were perfect with everything either. I remember when Netflix first came to uh, the Xbox platform, I tried watching it on my 360. It did an internet test, and it gave me a 1 out of 4 rating and showed everything in uh, 480p, a quarter size of the screen. Yeah. And so I immediately canceled it because obviously I ain't going to watch that. And then three years later, I tried it again, and it was full stream, full screen, 720, flawless streaming, no buffering. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, instead of remastering these like PS4 games and that, which don't really need it, um, they they got to find a solution for those PS3 games because streaming is just not it. It's just not it. So um, we'll see what Sony does next. So some people were joking and saying like, "Hey, are they going to remake like 2018's God of War?" <laughs> like after this, um, but I'm I'm. I'm a bit nervous as to like, okay, how many of these PS4 games do you want to remaster and remake? Because they don't all need it. And some of them are pretty new as well. I mean, God of War itself is a newer game than Horizon Zero Dawn. It's from the the year after. So, I don't know. I don't know. We shall see. Um, I didn't have any notes or anything specific for this, but I just wanted to touch upon this and just give a couple of little comments. This Activision Blizzard acquisition drama... It's still ongoing. I'm seeing so many different reports of like Sony's mad at this, Xbox is mad at this, COD shouldn't be on Game Pass. Da 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 da. da. Uh, and I saw a few people commenting about like this just seems like children just sort of fighting, which it, it, it does. The statements I'm seeing and all this kind of stuff seems like children fighting over games. Um, obviously, there's billions of dollars at play with the 70 million acquisition. Um, but I'm going to reiterate what I said before. I think that COD, um, out of all the games that they've, out of all the IP that they've acquired, I think COD will stay on PlayStation. I don't think that's going to change. Um, but I think all their other games, so like Crash, Sparrow, Tony Hawk, maybe Overwatch, um, obviously Overwatch in the future, not Overwatch 2, um, I think have more of a chance of being Xbox exclusive. And I've said this before as well, once we get past a possible Crash 5 or a Wampa League, if there's a Crash Bandicoot game after that, once his acquisition is finished, and if it's only on Xbox, and I'm going to play it, I've got no issues with doing that, which is one of the reasons I've replaced my Xbox One, is so that when Xbox starts putting these games out, not just from Activision, but all the studios they've got, I have a good working Xbox to play them on. So if there is like a Crash 6 or something, at some, you know, I'm talking like 5-10 years or something down the line, uh, or 8 years or whatever, 
um i've got no issues with playing that on my on my xbox um i keep seeing comments as well about like hey yeah it's fine if cod goes on to xbox only because sony can just make a competing game I, I don't think anybody can do that so um in terms of the squabbling of like hey should it be this and should it be that just just let these big adults who work at these companies figure it out i'm sure that they will eventually so um anything else you want to say in terms of the acquisition with it uh it's one of those things that it's got to go through so many levels and layers that you're assuming it's going to be done within the next year i'm not assuming it's going to be anywhere near close to done maybe 2024 at the earliest um Hmm. more likely 2025 yeah yeah so we'll see uh, but I just wanted to kind of touch upon that, and, and that's it. Speaking of COD, uh, there's some more rumours that are coming out. Um, I've tried to figure out how this is all going to line up, and I've still not actually quite figured it all out, but that's okay. Um, so we talked before about the rumoured COD 2025, which is a few years away, which is supposedly an Advanced Warfare 2 game. Um, there's rumours now of a 2024 game... Um, which is possibly from Treyarch. Uh, and then they said as well that COD Modern Warfare 2, which is getting two years of support because there's no COD game next year, which is 2023, that COD um, Modern Warfare 2, which is the one that's coming out this year in a couple of weeks, is possibly getting some DLC in 2023. There's been some debates as to, okay, is it going to be paid DLC? There's no COD um, for the first time in... A long long time there's, there's going to be no cod game next year uh i don't see that plan changing either because i think we would have heard more about that G- given the fact that we're hearing about games that are releasing after 2023 i think it's safe to say there's no uh cod game next year um so you've got sledgehammer and you've got Treyarch because raven software i think is a support studio now out of vanguard and cold war i can't actually remember which way around those two studios were but um so I think it's Treyarch is doing the 2024 game, which I think is supposed to be another Black Ops game. And then Sledgehammer, so is the, the other one, is supposed to be working on the 2025 game. So how that would line up, which would be COD Modern Warfare 2 this year, year 2 of support next year. The year after that, which would be 2024, would be um, Treyarch's next game. And then Sledgehammer's game the year after that in 2025. See, it's interesting because you kind of have given the other two developers a bit more time because how it traditionally worked, which you had three teams, uh, Treyarch, Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, and they would work on each COD game for three years. Uh, So like, for example, you had Infinity Ward with Modern Warfare 19 in 2019. Then you had three years later, so now you get the next Infinity Ward game, and the other two studios went in the, you know, two years in between. So if you're skipping a year... I mean, obviously, you've got, like, Infinity Ward would have to have made a few more things so that when next year's COD content comes out, that's going to be from Infinity Ward. Uh, you've got, like, Beanox as a sports studio. You've got, um, uh, what's it called? Activision Shanghai, I think. I'm trying to think of, like, when I see when I see the splash screens of, of COD and there's all the developers listed at the bottom. Uh, Raven Software is one of them. Um, I was looking around at some stuff on the on the store for COD Modern Warfare 2, and it did say Toys for Bob on there, which we knew they were working on COD, but I thought it was only um, Warzone, because that's what they started doing. 
So we'll see how all this plays out. Um, it's going to be interesting though because how I thought this was going to start lining up was an Infinity Ward game every three years. Not necessarily Modern Warfare, but an Infinity Ward game every three years. And then Treyarch and Sledgehammer go with usually one one does Black Ops, one does something else. Because uh, you had like um, World War, the World War Two game and all that kind of stuff. So uh, obviously these, these things are years away, so things could change and whatever. Um, but it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be kind of interesting. Um, we'll see how it kind of all plays out. But what would make sense to me um, is, and not in a good way, but what makes sense in terms of what we're hearing for the plan is Modern Warfare 2 this year, Modern Warfare Year 2, I suppose, next year. The year after that would be Treyarch making another Black Ops game. Because Black Ops Cold War came out the year before Vanguard. And then... The team that was making Vanguard would then make Advanced Warfare 2, I think. And then Infinity Ward would go in 2026. So I suppose you're just kind of pushing it a year forward. You're pushing the cycle a year forward because you're giving Infinity Ward that second year as opposed to a new game. So we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, but I just wanted to kind of read that out and talk about that for a bit. But yeah, uh, the if you again, if you pre-ordered Modern Warfare 2... Uh, you can still pre-order it right now. You'll get the campaign early access this upcoming Friday. And then the full game releases. So obviously multiplayer uh, and co-op if you want to do that. Next week and then um, what's it called Warzone launches at some point in November. So there we go. Um, let's move on from that. Talker uh, still sticking on the theme of, of COD. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 will uh, require a phone number but only for PC players. Now the idea here is because you can't install hacks on the game if you're on Xbox or if you're on PlayStation because it doesn't work that way. Um, obviously the way to, you know, if you download files of hacks or whatever, that's where you use them on PC, which is why you'll, phone, why, why you'll find that all the players that hack on the game, so using all hacks and aimbots and that sort of stuff, are always on PC, because that's where you can install that stuff, which is why mods, more often than not, work on PC and not consoles. And there are certain games where mods do work on consoles, but most of them are on PC. Um, so the idea, I suppose, is supposed to be, okay, if you're caught hacking and you get reported and things like that, and you get banned, which is when your, when your username turns into user and a bunch of numbers... I suppose the idea there, okay, if you're going to make a new COD account and you are on PC, there'll be a different sign-up process on PC where it require... I, I suppose it would work the same way that, like, two, two... What's it called? Two-factor authentication works, like when you try to sign into something mm-hmm. and you get, like, a text code because it's registered to your <coughs> phone number. So it would work that way, presumably. Um, some players were wondering if this was going to be the case on console, but the idea here is to kind of cut down on hackers because if you've got one phone number and you are caught hacking on a PC, you wouldn't be able to assumedly sign up under a different account because if you try to put a, get a code with your phone number, it would register that under the system and catch you out that way. If that works in the way that it should, obviously players could maybe find ways around it, um, I wonder why it's taken this long to kind of happen because hacking on COD has been a thing for, for a long time. Um, it's also good. I mean, I don't like playing against people that hack. And as somebody who's played Modern Warfare 19 for a fair bit of time, I can usually tell if a player is hacking. There's just certain there's certain things a player will do 
or if you get shot through the wall from halfway across the map when there's no way that a player would have even known that you were there because they can see you through the wall. Um, that sort of thing. Or if a player is bunny hopping around the corner and aims straight at you and shoots and doesn't miss any bullets. Usually that's the case with that as well. Um, Robert, what do you make of uh, Modern Warfare 2 doing this phone number thing for PC players? Uh, I think as long as that information isn't compromised, yeah. I'm okay with it. I can understand people not wanting to do that. Um, as somebody who's had a couple of credit cards compromised, my dad's had a few car- credit cards compromised. Uh, my great aunt had her identity stolen a year after she died. Um, that's a story I'll tell long, like on, maybe on when we finally get around to doing that one podcast, I might tell that story. Um, but yeah, as long as it works as intended, I'm cool with it. I can totally understand people like, I'm not sure I want to do this. Um, but then again, that is only for PC. So mm-hmm. if you want to play the game, there's always a console route. So, Yeah, yeah. Um, for those of you that want... So this won't... I won't have anything to do with this because I'll be playing it on PS5. So that's fine. Um, apparently they tried to do this with Overwatch 2. Overwatch 2 has got its own situation at the moment where it doesn't really work. Um, and it sort of backfired on Overwatch 2. But I don't, I don't know the in and outs of that because I'm not playing Overwatch 2 so there we go uh, speaking of other new games coming out Gotham Knights is out in a few weeks um, and it's going to be locked at 30 frames per second now just to remember they specifically cancelled the previous gen versions of this game which is the Xbox One I don't think Series S is new gen isn't it current gen Yeah. Series S and X and uh, PS5 and PC so remember the previous gen version of this game, so PS4 and Xbox One, were cancelled um, because they didn't think the game could run on that system. I would disagree. Obviously, I'm not on the development team, so I don't know the ins and the outs and the codes and all that sort of stuff. Um, so given, put with that in mind, this is now a current gen only game that is coming out on PS5, Series S and X and PC. Obviously, it won't be on Switch. And it is locked at 30 frames per second um it's not a good look i think this game's already got not good looks towards it already um i've seen multiple screenshots this week of arkham knight which is a 2016 2015 16 something like that uh arkham game also that's the last in the arkham series batman arkham knight just a few comparing screenshots of batman arkham knight out in gotham city um as opposed to gotham knights out in gotham city and I, um, like I said, I'm not, I'm not a graphics person. I'm not impressed by good graphics. I'm not blind. I can tell when a game looks better than other games. But um, graphics are not a selling point for me per se. But still, it's interesting to look at those screenshots and see, okay, for some reason, a 2015 or 16, can't remember the year, um, PS4 game looks better than a current gen only PS5 game from it's actually not from the same developer but um within the same ip and although it's not the same franchise specifically or the same developer it's fair i think to make comparisons in 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 this situation because you've got two games that are set within an open world gotham um robert what do you make of the 30 frames per second and have you seen any comparing screenshots that i've mentioned I have not seen any of the screenshots, but then again, since I wasn't really interested in that game, um, I wasn't looking for them. Uh, it is 100% a bad look for the development team to say, we're canceling the game on this platform because of this. 
and then you intentionally, I won't say downgrade it, but you don't let it look its best based off of a frame rate. You don't flesh um, it out, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, if they were like, if they were running it in their tests and it constantly flickered between like 30 and 40 and they, they couldn't get it stabilized any other way than to lock it at 30, I mean, I can understand it on a technical level, but it's just not the best. Hopefully, since this is software, hopefully they can patch that in the future mm. to unlock those frame rates a little bit more, but we'll just yeah. have to see. Yeah, it's just it's not it's not a good look. I'm not going to sit here and rage and rant for you know 20 minutes about frame rates, but it is important for games. Um, it's just it adds to the not good look of it when you're getting compared to a game from what like five or more years ago, and you know it, it, even things like the atmosphere and the smoke and stuff like that and the rain in like Batman Arkham Knight, which still looks amazing now. Um, I mean I'm I remember revisiting Batman Arkham Knight. I think last year I kind of just fancied gliding around Gotham. I can't remember why, but um, I was in a Batman mood or something like that. And it still looked really great then. It's still, you know, it, it, it's not... See, here's it, it, the difference for me. I'm I'm not still not specifically, like, impressed by graphics. But there's a certain aspect of graphics when you're looking at a game set in the open world of Gotham that add to the atmosphere of the game. And two two differentiating ways I look at things like that is you've got the, your your base level of graphics, which is like okay, your visual quality of character models, buildings, streets, you know, signs, lights, you know, th- those sorts of things. And then you've got what I would call more visual storytelling. So if you look at something like Ghost of Tsushima, amazing looking game. Again, that's not the part that impresses me. It's the fact of like let let's say you're playing as Jin and you're standing on the edge of a on the edge of a mountain and you're looking out and the game's trying to give you atmospheric storytelling of like look at you, you can get a sense of story from looking at the world and you can kind of equate that to the same thing within Gotham like if you if you look at Gotham obviously there's loads of different iterations of Gotham live action animated video game comic book there's a certain you. Gotham's almost its own character in a way obviously you've got you know your actual characters like Batman and and everybody else but if you're sta- if you're in that situation in a game like that like in Gotham Knights or the Batman games and you're walking across the rooftops and you see you know the rain and the clouds and the streets and whatever else there's a certain visual storytelling aspect of Gotham you know th- this place has got decades worth of history and you can kind of see it through through the visual storytelling that's where that matters a bit more to me again i still would prefer like okay the, the game to play great and all that but these are kind of the, the bonus things of that and when you're looking at the screenshot of gotham knights and you're like okay this does just it just doesn't look as good in terms of its gotham and then you've got this thing coming out about the um frame rates being lowered which should be 60 fps at, at minimum um it just adds to an overall bad bad sort of look for for what's going on with this game so, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. Uh, I'm still going to play the game. I'm going to basically play it as a Batgirl game because I like Batgirl as a character and the film got cancelled. I'm still bummed out about it. And this will be a good way to, to kind of fill that void, I suppose. Because we were supposed to get that in December, weren't we? Batgirl. Mm-hmm. December, January. Um, about that. Yeah, it's really wild that they cancelled and erased it like a few months before that. It's crazy. 
It's crazy. Uh, it's Warner Brothers. Um, right, let's move over to back to PlayStation and talk a bit about Sackboy. Why am I talking about Sackboy, you might ask. Uh, Nathan Drake and Chloe Fraser, the skins of those characters, are being added to Sackboy A Big Adventure, which is the PS5 game. Um, so it's weird that I've just mentioned the character's skin is, is joining. Essentially what this is, obviously Sackboy's got different coats and outfits that he can wear uh, in that game. And you can change you can change them and, and like update them for free and stuff. Um, they've already put quite a few of them in. You can play as, I think, um, Ratchet. I think you can switch to Clank. Uh, this doesn't let you play as the normal looking version of Ratchet and Clank. It's a Sackboy looking version of those. It's It's a skin of those characters uh you can switch to ellie and abby from last of us um the last of us games you can play as who are some of the other ones i think daxter was maybe one of them or something the returnal character was one of them um but they keep adding some sony ip characters to this game uh and this update is also coming for free as well it's going to be available on october 19th for those of you that are playing it i'm going to go back to that game at some point i think i sort of stopped playing it too early uh, but Nathan Drake and Chloe Fraser, obviously Nathan Drake, the main protagonist of the Uncharted series, and Chloe Fraser, who's also a really good character in the Uncharted series, you'll be able to, let's say, dress up as them in, in Sackboy, that's a better way to put it, uh, and play as them for free. So that's really nice. Um, Robert, what do you make of this nice thing being added to this nice game? I mean, free is always cool, but, you know, it's it's a skin in a game. I mean, it's not like it's a a skin and overwatch or league of legends or right. modern warfare or anything like that yeah yeah um but yeah if you are currently playing Sackboy or plan to um you may want to wait until the 19th in a few days time and they'll be available for free as well so and also look at the other skins while you're there as well or the other the other costumes um it feels weird me saying skins of characters Almost makes you think that they're like getting their skin cut off or something. But no, it's not that. It's just outfits of the characters. So that's cool. Uh, unfortunately, my last story this week is something very, very, very disappointing. Um, there was some news that broke out a few days ago. I think it was yesterday. Bayonetta 3, which is an upcoming, I assume, sequel, seeing as it's got the 3 on it. Now, I don't know anything about the Bayonetta franchise. I've never played them. Don't really plan to. Um, the voice actress, who's called Helena uh, Taylor spoke out yesterday she did a video now i've never um i mean she might have been in games that i've played before and i've not remembered or sort of recognized her voice she, she's not a voice actress that sort of comes to mind is what i'm trying to say um and i've also never played the bayonetta games so i wouldn't have heard her in those either she did a video yesterday and she said that she is wanting players to boycott this game and she explained why that is she laid out laid out some figures and she said that the Bayonetta franchise um, as a whole, not including merchandise she mentioned, has made, I think she said, is either 400 million or 450 million, but let's say 400 million. They offered her, so she's the main voice actress for the main character in this big AAA Nintendo game in an upcoming anticipated sequel. She was offered $4,000 for this game, um, which shocked me when I read that. Um, it shocked a lot of other people that I saw on, on Twitter yesterday. And um, she said, that what, the word that she used is she said that she felt insulted, which you would if you were, you know, part of a massive Nintendo game in Bayonetta um, that sold 
has made a lot a lot of money uh, she didn't even include merchandise I don't know how popular merchandise of Bayonetta is but there's still more money on the table there um, it's really really disappointing um, I think this is insulting to the actress I think whoever I mean I don't know which person like negotiated that with her or whatever but she said that was the final offer that was put on the table which was $4,000 um, which is extremely low uh, of an offer. Um, Robert, did you hear anything about this story? What do you think of um, this really insulting offer towards his voice actress? I did see that offer. I wouldn't call it insulting as of yet because there's way too many questions for it. Um, first off, how much time was she expected to invest in this? Um, since this is a Switch game, there might not be a lot of voiceover work. If it was only going to be like three, four hours... You know, I don't consider making $1,000 an hour as an insult. Um, second, the games would have been successful with or without her voice. Uh, not to be harsh, but that's just the honest truth. Um, I highly doubt any voice actors, regardless of their status, get a percentage of merchandise sales. Maybe if it's a game they make or if their voice is so iconic that it can't be helped and they want to then the company that's making the game wants to secure that then they could they could offer it doesn't mean they will i also don't know what voice actors make i mean those are the kind of monies that never get disclosed i don't know how much laura bailey makes per game i don't know how how much money matt mercer makes per game um there's i mean she was clearly insulted by that offer which I'm fine with her being insulted by it, but don't expect me to share your rage when you don't tell me the whole story. Mm-hmm. Now, if it was $4,000 and she was expected, you know, four hours a day in the in the booth for three months, then yes, that would 100% be an uh, insultingly low offer. But like I said earlier, if it's three hours work, what are you complaining about? In, out, three hours, boom, you're four grand richer. Um, mm-hmm. So there's just way too many questions about that. Okay. I don't find it the best look that her call for that was then to immediately boycott the game because um, that just makes you look petty. And plus, like I said, this is a Switch game. How much voiceover work is done on Switch? I can't remember the last time I heard any voiceover work on a Switch game that I played or seen somebody play. I mean, even their popular games like, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild or... Um, Animal Crossing New Horizon. There's no voiceover work in any of that. Mm-hmm. So there's just way too much non stuff that I want to know that isn't being shown for me to even make a close of a judgment call on it. Okay. So you want more information is what you're... Yeah. There's, you're a, there's a lot for. more information yeah. that I would want for it. Yeah. I mean, to me, the, the way she laid it out with what she said, um, I agreed with her that the, the offer is insulting just because when... If I equate like how big this game is and the amount of money she laid out that that it makes, and she's like the main voice actress for it, um, that does seem incredibly low to me. Now I myself as well don't know how much voice actors make for for different games, but I would I would imagine that some of the bigger voice actors, uh, or not the bigger ones, the the ones that do a lot of lines and stuff, because um, I agree as well about like okay with. Um, Link and with Mario, like they don't talk a lot and everything. Now, I I had not played the Bayonetta game, so I don't know how much dialogue there is in there for her. Um, the other interesting part 
as well about with with Bayonetta because I think she does talk a bit more than Mario and and, and Link and well Zelda sort of as well. Um, there is also kind of because it's very from what I understand from the Bayonetta franchise, it is a very action heavy franchise. So she will have, and this is going to sound kind of stupid. She will have have to have done all the sort of the 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 groans and grunts in in those things. So all, all that kind of really adds up to probably a bit. Um, I mean, even um, what was his name? Josh. Uh, I can't remember his name right now. Um, I, I remember I remember there was a a listing for the Crash Twin Sanity voice actor for Crash. Now, when I when I think of Crash Bandicoot. Um, I don't really think of like, oh, who voiced the character? Now, Crash is somebody who he he, he doesn't talk. He just says "whoa" and th- this type of stuff. You do still need a voice actor to do that. Um, Coco is the one that talks more, and she still makes like you know sounds and things. Um, I mean, even when I was talking to uh, when I did my first talk with Nikki Rat back in 2017, she was saying about the the voice acting to do for Sims, <clears throat> the Sims don't talk either but she's she said that she had to kind of do um what was it she had to do you know how they sort of like a sim will get angry at something and they'll sort of like i don't know move, move their body about and they kind of advise her to kind of do that with the voice acting things so there is those parts to consider as well i just think on a base level with the amount of money that she said that these games make and offering four thousand dollars, which apparently is like two months worth of rent where she where she lives. I don't know where that is. Uh, just that that for that figure to be put out there, I just think is really really quite low. Um, so yeah, I, it it does intrigue me as to if you had like okay, so somebody like Nor- Nolan North or let's say like Troy Baker Joel for Last of Us One and Two. What he made. The only difference is with something like The Last of Us, I suppose, is you've got the motion capture, so they have to physically be on set and all that type of stuff. Um, whereas I'm guessing with the Bayonetta thing, because that's obviously animated, isn't it? Um, it would be in a recording booth as opposed to on a set. So I suppose there's differences in like, in like the hours and do you put the physical work in? Do you do the, just the voice acting work? Um, I still think that's really, really low. $4,000. So um... yeah, but in in the same vein, you can't equate what the game makes uh, with the voice actor because, like I said, their vo- their voice doesn't make or break the game unless it's like astro- astronomically good or astronomically bad. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, you got all the engineers, the artists, the designers, and everything else involved in that company to make it. I did look her up on IMDb. Her last credited work was doing the voice of Bayonetta for Super Smash Bros. Wii U in 2014. She has a very thin IMDb, almost nothing that you would recognize. One episode of something called Burning Zone. Um, one episode of Stargate Atlantis as a random counselor number one. A video game called Blazing Angels 2, only listed as additional voices. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End video game, additional voices. So she's not the most high-profile actor. You talk about people like Nola North or Laura Bailey or people like that. They're known. They're out there. Um, so their identity can, commands more money. Hers clearly does not. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens with this. I I don't know like when Bayonetta's out or, or whatever the case. Um, regardless of 
what happened here. I had no interest to play the Bayonetta games because I've played the previous ones. Um, is she not in? Because um, you mentioned that the Smash version for for Wii U is she not in the Switch game? Cause I, I she's think... not listed on IMDb, and I don't know if that game had her character or not. Right, right. Because you got to remember, IMDb is mostly uh, crowd formed, so the fans put in information that well, the fans that sign up and pay the monthly rate to be a active active member on IMDb can do the update. So yeah, she might have been, and it's just not credited, um, or maybe not. You never mm. know. I'm assuming Bayonetta is in that game by this point, <laughs> given that you know all, all the characters that are in there now, because um, you've got like is Cloud in there? I think I can't remember, but mm-hmm. uh, most of those characters. All right, let's move on from that. Uh, that's all my stuff to talk about this week. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, well, first up, I actually forgot about this um, when we were talking before we started recording. But when you were talking about um, Sony and streaming, that reminded me of this, and I'm glad at that. Uh, so a YouTuber that I watch had a postmortem on the fall of Stadia, and he found a Reddit post that I found really interesting and that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, Stadia's dead. People are, you know, names are getting thrown under the bus, and everybody's like, what the hell happened? So the, the initial post on Reddit is from a former Google employee, and he states, to understand why Stadia failed, you have to understand how Google works. The career pro- progression and promotion at Google is based on moving the needle, a.k.a. launching a product. You launch a service or a major haul, and you put it in your promo package. No one ever, expletive, gets promoted for maintaining or fixing something broken. No, it's all about launching and then putting the launch into your promo package. Whether it's something like Stadia, Google Glass, or anything, anything else, you always see an immediate slowdown in development and features. That is because all experienced and ambitious engineers leave the project very shortly after the launch, either because there's no promo food to get, um, so they leave for a new project or team where they can get more credits towards promo. The people that remain are either not easily transferring to teams, meaning they're too new into the company, or they're just bad engineers. You see this all the time with Google products. Rapid deployment and activity until launch, and then everything grinds to an absolute halt. When I worked at Google in 2012, internally, we called that the LPA cycle. Launch, promo, abandon. Yes, that is how we described it internally at Google at the time. And then somebody created a throwaway Reddit account because I'm assuming they still work at Google, and they posted an updater. It says, Google featureless zero features... Zero penalties for effing S up. Zero. Do you know what people who wasted two years on Alio got after it was canned? Nothing. Some of them actually got promoted. Google greatly encourages, quote, launches, releasing something publicly. And keep in mind, no penalties if it's half-baked, not working, or only on Chrome or some other such nonsense. This is the norm. Why? Promotion. You cannot get promoted beyond a certain level at this place unless you launch something big. So what do you get when you add all these perceived incentives? 9,883 chat apps and a never-ending chain of redesign and relaunches so people can get promoted. Do you know how many bugs you need to fix in order to get promoted? Doesn't matter. You'll never get promoted based off of fixing anything. 
How many useless redesigns do you need to launch to get promoted? One. Extra fun, people internally usually warn about this, complain about it, file bugs about performance, etc. It is all ignored. Most people who have been here for over a few years have given up filing bugs reports because the reply is actually, quote, you're not the target audience. We all know it. We all do it. Some quit when they realize it. Others just begin optimizing for promotion as opposed to optimizing what is good for the user or the company. And this is why you get a new Gmail, for example. Hmm. So Sounds like a mess. Obviously, this is a Reddit post followed up by an anonymous Reddit update. So we can't give 100% credence to that. But if you look at everything Google has done and died, like I said, Stadia, Google Glass, Hangouts, um, you name it. There's actually a website called Google Graveyard that lists everything they've launched and then subsequently killed. So can I confirm it 100%? No. Do I believe it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think I do as well. Um, it it sounds from the information that you read it sounds like a mess. I it actually made me laugh. Obviously, you probably heard me there. Um, LPA, you said launch, promote, abandon. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the fact that some employee there has actually come up with that because that's what happens most of the time is uh, yeah, when you come up with a term for it, you know it's bad. Yeah. It's almost like a meme around the office at that point. Then, yeah. Um, I remember when I was at—I think I was at college—and some person—I can't remember if they were from Google or, or what it was. You're talking like ten years ago, and some guy came in, and obviously I was working in IT, so it fit with the class that we were doing. And some guy came in and showed us a video of um, Google Glass, and er- every single—I mean, you're talking about like a bunch of teenage people, like sixteen. 24-ish, young adults, 16 to 24-ish years old, and everyone was, like, blown away by it, and they were like, wow, I can't wait to get this thing, and then it dawned us on us all that, like, okay, we don't own a lot of money, this is probably a few thousand dollars or something like that, because um, the idea in that video was very, in- I remember in that particular video that we saw was really, really interesting, and I was like, I want to get one of these, and then um, I remember after seeing that video and I think it it came out and then just nothing really happened. No, nobody really talked about it after that. Um, yeah. Obviously, the idea of obviously the idea of going into a college classroom full of a bunch of young people and showing them something cool like that is gonna wow them and impress them because mm-hmm. that's how those people react. We, we all were. We were all like, "Wow, look at this thing!" Um, kind of thing. Um, so I pulled up the website. It's called KilledByGoogle.com. Oh, when you right. count the big things like Stadia, Hangouts. And then the smaller things like surveys and uh, conversational actions, things like that. Guess how many products or services Google has killed uh, in the last, uh, since 2003? 2003. Um, how many? So almost 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, I'll just take a stab and say 30. 275. Oh, wow. <laughs> Five. Yeah, talking in the hundreds. Yeah. Is that like smaller unknown things as well? Is that, yep. is that what's sort of making up the numbers there, I'm, I'm guessing? So, because it's been like... Well, it's not so much smaller... Not, not so much uh, uh, smaller things. It's just things that never went anywhere. 
Yeah. Let me, sorry, the, the page closed. Let me get it back up real quick. Like, oh. if you go down to the very end to where it's, like, early stuff. Um, come on, mouse, stop doing this. Uh, so there's, like, Google Desktop or Google Side Wiki, uh, Google Power Meter, Noop Programming Language, uh, Google Flu Vaccine Finder. So, like I said, some small stuff. Um, Google Mini, uh, Nexus Q, which is apparently a media player designed for Android. Um, Slick Login, which was a um, sound-based password alternative. Um, so tons of, you know, smaller stuff. But still, the fact that it's that long. Hmm. And then there's some some stuff that you would think would do, like uh, um, password security, um, password organizer, um, message thing. Uh, Google Station, um, so it's a which says it's a set of tools to roll out Wi-Fi hotspots in public in public locations. Um, Hired by Google, which was an application tracking system to help small medium businesses um, help with uh, like getting people hired in. Um, so tons of stuff like you can read through it and you'll just be like, I've never heard of that. It's like, oh, I remember that vaguely kind of thing. So Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned the, I think you said Android or the Google app thing. Because mm-hmm. um, I've had a few friends that have said like, hey, I have an Android phone. How do I listen to a podcast? Um, and I'm like, you can either do it through your web browser um, and use the actual website, or you can use a podcast app. But obviously Android or Google phones don't have iTunes, so you have to download like a podcast addict or whatever and find it on there. So... Um. Yeah, had to had to deal with that a few times, which I imagine other podcasters have as well. So, um. But yeah, that's that's Google, that's Google. So, um. I just find it interesting that they had a phrase for the for the thing that was uh kind mm-hmm. of interesting. So, all right, what else do you want to talk about this week? Uh, next up, two unreleased uh, or digitized NES games are currently up for auction on eBay. Um. So as you know, old games, unreleased games they tend to create quite the uh, buzz when they get hit. Uh, The first game up is a game called Battlegrounds of Napoleon, which is a strategy-based game which was ready to ship to Nintendo but never saw the light of day. According to the listing, the game includes the actual files that would have been sent to Nintendo for printing, meaning that the digital version can likely be created. The second is a uh, non-released sample cartridge for CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is a Power Glove compatible demo made by Studio Rare. Uh, For those people that don't know, the Power Glove is a motion controller peripheral for the NES, uh, which was prominently featured in a two-hour commercial pretending to be a movie called The Wizard um, with Fred Savage, very young Fred Savage. Um, The glove was a massive, massive flop and became a massive mean because it flopped so hard and only one game was ever officially released for it. Um, in the, in an interview with the verge video game history foundation co-director Frank Cifaldi speculates that the power gun power glove game is a prototype that rare would have shown to retailers to gauge full interest. And there's an image on the article and it's literally just like your blank NES controller, no artwork. And it just has a label slapped on it that says, Scanner, NES sample, please return to Rare Coinit Incorporated. 
Um, Cifaldi also took to Twitter in an attempt to raise money for the Video Game History Foundation to purchase their titles. Um, they said they uh, are concerned. He said he was concerned about being outbid by collectors or that preservationists would be unable to get their hands on them to begin with uh, before they start to degrade. Uh, since these games have never had an official release, they are contained on rewritable chips, which can degrade in a process called bit rot, even if they've been properly sealed and stored. So we'll have to um, see whatever comes of that. So, yeah, I like uh, I like video game peripherals. They don't always work as well as they should. But um, I was a sucker for the Kinect when it came out. I really like n- less so peripherals, but you know, features. Obviously, haptic feedback is a big thing to me now. Um, obviously, the idea of mm-hmm. VR is is really awesome. Um, I never quite did buy any of those sort of like those guns that you could put attachments on for like shooting games and things. Um, the, the most I've kind of done of that is when I played certain shooting games on uh, PSVR, and there's like the trigger-ish sort of button on the move controllers. Uh, but I, I never felt the need to go and buy like one of them big gun things and then put the attachment on it. Um, it's probably quite cool, but I, I never sort of just felt the need to do that because um, I know that there was one for uh, I think it was Farpoint um, which had its own individual um, obviously you could use it with other games but it was sort of a marketing thing but that, that was released with the the move controller you could put the thing in there um, and if you, if you go through and play obviously um, what's called Astro's Playroom uh, on PS5 you can collect the peripherals um, so PlayStation's got an interesting history with it um, I would I would have liked the Connect to have worked better because I thought there was a really good idea there. It just didn't work for enough people. Because um, still still to this day, I would say you know obviously we've got things like what Zoom, we've got Skype, we've got FaceTime, all all the different video calling apps. The really cool thing that um, it was with the Connect 2.0, I think the the Xbox One version, where if you you could make a like Skype call with your voice and then like it would zoom in and zoom out and like track you because instead of being like hey I'm going to go to this side of the room I've got to turn the camera and arrange it and do all this stuff it would just follow you um, so you didn't have to do that Th- those kind of ideas are really cool and it was it's disappointing to see and I also like the idea of voice commands and stuff I, I sometimes do them on my Playstation they're not always the most accurate though uh, although the thing I do like doing is the text to speech thing on, on PS5 um, that's quite accurate because i do that when i'm searching for stuff on the playstation store um so have you ever seen the peripheral for uh uh, steel battalion no what was that it was an og xbox game it is pretty much on every list that makes list if you look up the most insane and expensive video game peripherals this one is or is at the near top for all of them um it's basically a, a mech game but the peripheral is three feet wide, has two separate joysticks, and foot pedals. And in order to start the mech, you have to go through a button sequence on the peripheral. And if you screw it up, it, it restarts, and you have to do it again. Huh. It launched um, at $200, Game Plus peripheral. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I like the idea as well of, like, with some of the racing games, you'd have the pedals and you'd have the steering wheel. Um, never quite sort of got that set up properly on the on the PS2 because that even went all the way back then. So, no, I, th- I think they're a good idea. I don't think you'll see them as much as you used to. Like around the PS3, PS2 era, you'd have like the iToy stuff as well. Um, but again, if you want that sort of uh, throwback with all that, the uh, the the collectibles on Astro's Playroom are really good for that. 
So, because um, that's a nice little sort of uh, throwback to that. Um, I, I wouldn't really call like portable gaming as peripherals. That's not like things that you put into games. That's just another thing that you buy to play a game. Um, that's why I wouldn't call. I would call haptic feedback more of a feature than a peripheral. Because I mean, controllers are technically peripherals, but they're more sort of just accessories. Um, but then, obviously, you use a controller anyway to play a game. It's just a vibration feature within the controller. So, um, do you like different gaming peripherals and stuff? Depends on the functionality. Like, yeah. like if you're serious into racing games, having a big wheel makes sense. Mm. Um, if you're not, then it doesn't. Things like a fake fishing lure line for fishing games, they're kind, they're kind of kitschy and they're cool, but I don't think they're really needed. Mm. Yeah. So... There we go. Uh, what else do you want to talk about this week? Uh, well, Todd Howard did a really quick uh, Q&A with community director Jess Finster um, about the upcoming Starfield game. Uh, like I said, quick, it, it was five minutes, so you can look it up on YouTube and see it. Um, he talks about some of the early, early games that he programmed on, like we're talking 20, 25 years ago. Uh, the two big things to come out of the interview, though, is first is the dialogue system. They did show a little bit of that, and they showed your character having a conversation with another character. And the interesting thing was is that when you got to the cho- option to do choices, it had one line that had a green bar next to it with a number, and then three more lines with yellow bars next to it with bigger numbers, and then a final line with a red bar next to it and an even bigger number. Um, so it looks like speech checks are going to be a thing, and it looks like... I'm guessing the numbers are just indicating difficulty along with the color coding on it. Because the one that was green, it had plus one, and the one that was uh, red had plus eight. So my guess is is that there was a difficulty check, and the the conversation made that check harder. So whatever, let's say the check was 10, you did the plus eight, so your check is now 18. And uh, the other interesting thing to come out of that is that he said that your character traits are something, quote, you can solve if you get tired of them, but it will take work. So they were showing the character creation where you were picking out character traits and it obviously had a perk and a negative to it. So I'm guessing you can either get rid of the negative through like a quest line or something like that, which is interesting as a concept. Don't know how well it'll work in implementation, but it's interesting as a concept. Hmm. Yeah. Um, we don't have a date for this game yet, do we? We just know no. at, at early next year or something. Yeah, I'm thinking maybe March. And that just might be wishful thinking on my part. Yeah, usually games come out in in March, February, don't they? So, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm curious about Starfield. I I still think the uh gunplay that we saw didn't look very good, but then I'm a bit more picky when it comes to that. Um, hopefully, and we ex- don't know how gunplay focused the game is going to be, so. Yeah, there's there's that too. Um, and they might use the uh, is it the VAT system from for Fallout possibly? I don't yeah, know. They, they might. Do I doubt like if that. they would though, because that's that's way too Fallout specific, and they've been harping on the fact that this is a brand brand new IP. Yeah. So if they rolled something in from an old IP, it would just kind of undercut it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, it's interesting to hear about the dialogue options. We'll see how that plays out. Um, what kind of the way you laid that out there? Um, almost made it sound like you've got, I don't know, better and worse ways to speak to people or something, like with the red mm-hmm. options and that. So, Well, the, I'm guessing, and it's hard to infer from it, but I'm guessing 
that the numbers in the red was just the difficulty. Obviously, the dialogues were different because you were saying different things. Um, mm -hmm. So it might just be a context thing. Um, there's an old joke of you can say the same thing but have a wildly different context. And the example they mm -hmm. always give is, uh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned has a wildly different context than uh, punish me, Daddy, I've been bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I always get a little chuckle out of that. No, it's good. It's funny. Um, but now I get what you mean. Um, but yeah, I wonder if you... Because one thing you could do, which is also something you could kind of do in Red Dead 2, something that really impressed me from that game, is that if you meet somebody out in the Wild West and they come up to you and you have like a you can have a confrontation with them you can you can do multiple different things as well you can shoot their horse you can shoot them you can kill them you can get off your horse approach them you can approach them on the horse you could ride off uh you could also specifically click well not click um target the the character and respond like positively or negatively you can i think antagonize was uh, was one of the things you can do um and they'll sort of react to you in a certain way i found, I found that to be really kind of engaging so if you can do that in a similar way um because what one story but because obviously that's like encounters in their world that that wasn't to do with sort of actual quests <clears throat> one way you could do that in quests it, it wouldn't really work as well as it in in like the main story but if you're doing like a side quest or something and you have to negotiate with somebody maybe and you say something in the red or like they're not happy with your response maybe you start shooting each other and maybe you can fail because there there is quests in in like certain side games. I think you can do them in like The Witcher and other other things like that. Where if if you do kill like a character in the side quest, you just fail it and it just discontinues. And you that that's a choice that you can make, or you can you know play nice or whatever, and you you can complete the quest. So if if Starfield's got something like that, something in that wheelhouse, that would be kind of interesting. I'm not expecting the same sort of Wild West encounters that red dead had but maybe if it's to do with quests and and, and dialogue choices maybe you antagonize an, a, a, an npc too much um that could be and i always ask for you know more more interactivity that would be a good way to do that um so and and that's on that's like more on the grounded level of what obviously you can like travel to different planets this is you know more grounded level stuff where you're on the ground and uh exchanging dialogue with another with another character so that could be good um, what do you think of the potential of what this could what this could be like? Yeah, I think it has a great potential in that. Um, it's one of those things until we really get like a proper yeah. um, live gameplay or a chance to interact with it, we'll never know for sure. Um, yeah. I do under completely understand your concerns with the game, the gunplay, uh, but like I said, it might just not be a, a gun focused game, or it might just have been a demo from like an earlier build and they've already fixed it. So we'll just have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. See, an important thing to me to remember with me when it comes to to gunplay is Infinity Ward is still the best in the business at doing that, regardless of which Modern Warfare game you want to talk about. To, to me, that's just the that's the bar, that's the high bar, and you don't have to be <coughs> as good as as that to have good gunplay. I'm talking about excellent or top tier gunplay, and if your gunplay is like not close to that. It doesn't have to be exactly as good because I don't expect other games to be as good because other games aren't made by Infinity Ward. That's just the way that I look at that. Is okay if your gunplay doesn't look good, and again I'm kind of picky about how that how that is. Then it will come off to me more disappointing. That's just a personal preference type thing. The rest of the game might be great, but 
Um, and again, the game's still in development for a few months. You know, when, when we see it in, a, in assumably a few months' time, the gunplay might look better. And if it does, I will uh, comment on it at that point. But the gunplay that they showed, the gunplay that we've seen so far, doesn't look great. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, but you know, I can't say that's how the gunplay will look when the game releases because I don't know that. So we'll have to see. Um, all right, is that the last thing you had to talk about? I have a couple other things real quick. They're short. Um, so NVIDIA has decided to unlaunch a graphics card. Um, they were supposed to launch with two graphics cards next month, uh, the RTX 4080 12-gig version uh, and the RTX 4080 16-gig version. Now, pre-release versions of this went out to uh, influencers and tech people, and the the 12-gig the version of it was getting dragged through the mud. It was described as unimpressive, unpower, underpowered, completely irrelevant, and they were bagging on uh, NVIDIA for launching it because it has the 4080 name designation. They are able to charge a much, much higher price. Um, I have seen the uh, one of them in use. I don't know if it was the 12 or the 16, but these cards are comically big, like crazy comically big. They're, they take three PC slots. That's how big they are. Like You would have to get an oversized case with a vertical mount just to use this thing. Otherwise, it would snap your board in half. Um, so NVIDIA came out with a statement saying, quote, so we're pressing the unlaunch button on the 4080 12 gigabyte. The 4080 16 gigabyte is amazing and on track to delight gamers everywhere November 16th. Um, following NVIDIA's announcements, many calling it confusing and questions why the 12 gig wasn't named something else reflecting its lower specs um they didn't say it they got the the specs listed here obviously it means nothing unless you're a looking at them and to understand it but uh and see it in action kind of thing yeah and see it in action but it's still a 900 dollar card um for 700 dollar card and 600 dollar card features so that's mm. what the people that were using it were saying I would never spend that kind of crazy money on a card anyway because I don't play games needed to at that level. Yeah, yeah, that's where you get your your big games to to play that. Um, I don't really have much to add here. Obviously, I'm not a PC gamer and I don't look around for graphics cards and stuff. Um, but no, Nvidia is interesting. Uh, what do you think of what's going on here? Um, I do think it's a bad look for them, especially when you give two different powered graphics cards the same name designation it creates a lot of confusion they have different numbers for a reason um so they're probably going to relaunch it with a different number to reflect that and hopefully at a better price mm-hmm. yeah hopefully all right what was the other thing to talk about uh the last thing i had to talk about is mike duker was a programmer at lionhead and he received a commemorative plaque for his work on Fable in 2004 for the original Xbox. In 2010, it went missing under mysterious circumstances. Uh, now he has it back in his hands because he randomly found it as on an auction on eBay. The seller returned it for the price they paid for it, less than 10% of what they had listed it for and much less than I was willing to pay. Never thought I'd see it again and it's so unlikely, unlikely that I ever did. I am, of course, paying them more than they asked and throwing uh, Fable 1 stand I found in my 10 club. Um, Ducker says he calls it many blessings. Um, who informed it from uh, another person who informed him of the auction last week. Uh, the auction has since been canceled, but you can still see the page. 
through the Wayback Machine website, which is awesome. Uh, the seller was asking a thousand pounds for the plaque, which said it's in light new condition, uh, which he was not in able he was not able to pay for. But with negotiations from the original seller, he got it back. Uh, thankfully, the seller decided, yep, yeah, this guy this guy should have it. Canceled the auction and just sent it back to him. And Decker reimbursed him for what he paid, plus uh, in addition for other stuff. So, hmm. Um. Yeah. Interesting to lose a plaque. You said it was under mysterious circumstances. So I'm sure um, it was like in an office somewhere, and somebody was just like mine. Right. Yeah. They they took it maybe. Um. I'm curious as to what the new Fable game is going to be. Um. There's there's that as well. Because uh, they announced that a few years ago, and we haven't heard much since uh so i'm mm-hmm. curious to play that because i didn't like t- i haven't even touched any of the old games maybe some of them are on game pass or something but they are um yeah i, I i'd assume this is going to be some sort of reboot so canon wouldn't really uh but yeah whatever um but i'm glad he got it back and it's 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 all sorted so yeah uh, what do you think of the story yeah i think it's a good story it's always nice when somebody has something they know is worth a lot of money but then it finds out how it came into their possession and they decide, oh, let's just give it back to the guy that should have had it to begin with and never got rid of it properly. So, Certainly, certainly. Um, what are you, are you looking forward to? We don't know much about it yet. What's your thoughts on like the actual Fable games? Not really. I was super hyped for the original one and it had a game save bug to where it would rewind a lot of progress, but you still kept all the items that you made in the difference between the start and where you, it, it was a save file weird thing to where it would restart from like a checkpoint, mm-hmm. but you saved all your stuff and they never patched that out. I'm mean, not granted. This was back in the OG Xbox days, So there wasn't a whole lot of game patching back then, right. uh, but that just kind of, right. that just kind of put me off on it. So fair enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. That's it for the news pieces. Uh, let's get into the feedback this week. We've got two emails. If you would like to write in a course to the show, let us know what you think of anything we've discussed. Uh, there's a whole bunch of topics there. Anything that you want to discuss, any news that you've missed, let us know what you're playing, what you're looking forward to playing as well. There's, a few, there's quite a few games actually coming out I didn't realise until I looked the other day. So, exciting times. Um, Matthew at EntertainmentTalk.org. Twitter eTalk UK. There's contact page information in the show notes. Also an email box on the website version of the episode and a clickable email name in your show notes. Harrison returns again and says, Hey Matt, did you see the God of War haptic feedback and audio features video? Uh, I did, I did. I saw it first posted, um, I think PlayStation themselves posted it or something. It's a very, very short, I think it's like 30 seconds um, little thing. Um, It made me more intrigued to play this game. I still have my doubts as to... areas of this game where it won't be as good as what I think it should. Obviously, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I haven't played God of War Ragnarok yet. Um, But haptic feedback and 3D audio, especially when put together, can be very, very effective, especially haptic feedback itself. Um, And it's interesting that I I think it was last week's show or the week before, and I said, like, I expect to feel that game because if you're going to do the big spectacle pieces that God of War is known for, you've got lots of things that are smashing and cutting and big explosions and you know that powerful stuff that's that's going on there's a lot of you know characters with energy related things and you've got an axe that you can throw and catch and you've got a shield there's there's lots of opportunities for it and they seem to have had the answer to that that i was i was looking for um they noted two was it two things two two specific haptic feedback things which is 
blocking with the shield and also throwing the axe. I would definitely expect that when I simply throw the axe, I get some form of active feedback. And then when I recall it, I get a little, I don't know, a, a little p- sense of pressure or, or, or something like that. Um, probably in the same way that when someone in the MCU is throwing Thor's hammer and they call it back and you get the shung, that, you know, that bit of that bit of oomph that you uh, get towards that. It functions the same way with um, the Leviathan axe, Kratos' axe. So I'd expect to feel that. And I'm going to be throwing the axe a lot of times in this game depends on exactly how i play it but um it was used for puzzle related things as well i would i want to feel that every single time i throw and catch that axe because it should do that the the challenge i suppose is if i go throw call it back throw call it back throw call it back the controller's got to kind of keep up with that so um we'll see how that goes because I, I remember there was a thing in god of war 2018 um, I think it was like you, you can sort of charge it and make it quicker. So if you if you like threw the axe, I can't remember what it was called, but if you sort of threw the axe at an enemy and you hit them and you call it back and you hit them, you're able to get something to where it, that, that process speeds itself up so that you can effectively like build that momentum and um, get your hits off quicker, which is, which is quite a cool idea. So I'm expecting to feel all of that um, if there's an enemy that's hitting my shield or if I'm deflecting something, I'm expecting to feel that. Um, if I've got enemies on my left, right, behind, in front, um, or, you know, different degrees, I'm expecting the 3D audio from there. Um, and obviously you've got, like, um, what's it called, the Blades of Chaos and stuff, and you've got uh, the Runic Attacks. I, I want to feel all those things in the controller, because it just adds that extra layer of experience, or, or of or of an experience, yeah. Um, 3D audio I'd kind of expect, kind of normally, in in this game i I expect 3d audio in in most games even if there isn't haptic feedback in them um so i'm looking for it's it's got me a little bit more excited for the game so it it did its job in terms of hey here's a feature that some gamers might be interested in i'm one of those people and so it uh it sold me more on it i mean i'm gonna play i'm gonna play and finish god of war ragnarok it just depends on how much i enjoy it um but this is something that the 2018 game didn't have because um, it was a PS4 game and PS4 didn't have haptic feedback. I remember there was like vibrations and stuff, and when you record your axe, you could sort of feel a little vibration. But now you've just got more of an opportunity with that. Um, I know this isn't directed at you, Robert, but uh, any any thoughts here particularly on what the game could do with this? Uh, no, just because I haven't uh, um, used haptic feedback at all, <clears throat> um, so I don't really have a point of reference for it. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Uh, Jack Lothley says, um, "Do you see? Sorry, did you see the Dead Space remake gameplay? Looks okay to me. Um, I did. Robert, did you see that gameplay? No, but I don't know if it was like a fan remake or if this is something they're actually doing. Oh no, this is from the. This is from the. Um, I can't remember which dev studio it is, but EA's remaking uh, Dead Space. Yeah, they put out a ten-minute uh, gameplay video." couple of days ago i think um i watched it yesterday um it looks it looks all right to me i wasn't sort of completely blown away by it um it looks a little bit faster than the the previous because i did spend like a couple of hours in in the xbox 360 version of dead space um which that would be a good one for me to play on my xbox because again you can't play dead space on ps5 because it's a ps3 game and i've already explained all of that 
Um, but given that this is getting a remake, there's no need for me to go and play the original Dead Space because it's gonna. This is gonna be a better version of the old game. Um, but th- obviously, there's the uh, enemies in that game, isn't there? Which have like the limbs that you can shoot off, which I, I always think is a cool thing. I remember doing that in like the Last of Us games where you could shoot people's knees and feet and and things like that. Or if you had a shotgun, you could like blast people's legs off, which was very cool. So if it, it, this is kind of like that, but obviously a bit different. Um, it looked a bit like the enemies looked a bit faster. I, I don't know if they're the exact same type of enemies. I'm not all familiar with like Dead Space's lore. Uh, graphically, obviously, it looks better. Um, that's kind of to be expected. The gameplay, it, it looked good. Um, the the only issue with watching sometimes with watching gameplay stuff on YouTube is it will it will be more compressed. The sound won't be as good as what it could be because it's compressed. Um, you might have lag spikes while you're watching the video like your internet might go down for it'll be a bit weaker for a few seconds and the video will sort of go to like 720p or something or the sound won't be as good so you don't always get the full effect of what it's going to be like because i imagine when i pick this game up and play it which i'm planning to do it will play and look and sound a lot better so uh but no you didn't you didn't see the gameplay then for that no okay so uh, yeah, that's that's supposed to be out in February, I think, which is very, very similar to Callisto Protocol. That's out in December, both similar types of games. In fact, I think it's the Callisto Protocol, I think, is from the writers of the, of the old Dead Space team. Remember, their studio got closed down because EA is EA, um, but this is a remake of, uh, yeah, the old Dead Space games. Um, did you ever play any of those old games, like when they are on 360 or PS3? No, I'm not much into the horror games, so they kind of pass me by, so... Yeah, yeah. I think Bex has played some of them, so... Um, but yeah, Dead Space uh, videos out there for, for that. She did play uh, one of them on stream and scared herself crazy over it. Oh, did she? Okay. Was that like a... a yeah. How, how long ago was that? That was a couple of years ago. It was back when she had the couch, so that tells you how long ago. Okay. Was that around the time she did uh, Alien Isolation? Uh, it was actually predates Alien Isolation. Oh, she did that before that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Hmm. That's what kind of got her started on the let let me scare myself while people scare me with bits. Yeah, which she's doing now with Little Nightmares 2, which is, which yeah. is cool. The the thing that makes that even better with Little Nightmares 2 is people can make the creak door sounds. Mm-hmm. And they do sound quite similar to the... Because there's a lot of creaking doors in Little Nightmares 2. And uh, people can time that very, very well. So it, uh, it's almost even better. Um, but yeah. Alright, so for this week's episode, um, next week I will have played some of, if not all of, because I've got like football games to watch and I have a DC film to watch, I suppose, on Saturday. Um, but yes, fr- so f- Friday from midnight, I think it's supposed to unlock Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 campaign. So next week I would have played all of, if not at least some of, the Modern Warfare 2 campaign. So I'll, I'll, be, I'll be putting uh, Dreamlight Valley on the shelf for a bit. Um, which which isn't an issue. That's a game I'm going to be you know going back and forth with uh, and playing at different points. Um, so exciting times. So next week, my first impressions of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Even if I finish the campaign by Sunday, I don't imagine I'll have reviewed it by then. So even if I have or haven't, I'll still at least talk about it on this podcast because it will be uh, something I've been looking forward to for a long, long time. So again, that's for the multiplayer, not for the campaign. So uh, again, I obviously won't give any story spoilers or anything. I'll just talk about my general feelings of the game so look out for that next week uh but stream for the my last session with call of duty modern warfare 19 thursday at 8 uh that's for the uk time if you miss it obviously it'll be on on youtube later so don't worry if you miss it 
Um, hopefully I can end that on a good note. Um, and then move over to Modern Warfare 2. Literally like a few hours after that. So look out for all that. But anyway, you can find all of our content on entertainmenttalk.org. TV, game, films, main eye podcast. Take a look out for all of those. Um, so if you want to do all of that. Uh, if, you, if you want to support us in other ways, you can of course tell other people about our content. Uh, either by telling them, just simply telling them, or using social media. Patreon, $5, $10 level tiers for the every podcast review options. Have a look out for those as well. TV and film news. If you want to know about renewals, cancellations, pickups, air dates, uh, Geek Town Radio Tuesdays, geektown.co.uk throughout the week for the news on that and film news and all that sort of stuff. So look out for all those episodes, uh, all, all, all that sort of news. Uh, Twitch, as we mentioned, Bex streams very regularly over on Twitch. Trista, B-Y-T-E-S. I'm going to go and watch her play some Little Nightmares 2 later on. Uh, so there's all that. But you can find her, Trista, B-Y-T-E-S, over on Twitch and, of course, on other platforms as well. Little Nightmares 2 chat retro and game streams all those sorts of things you can find her over there and if you want to follow me as well on twitch for that cod stream or whatever i'm doing in the future uh etalk uk over on twitch and if you miss any of those streams archives game clips anything like that uh, entertainment talk plays over on youtube thanks very much for listening and see you next week for my cod impressions see you then thanks for listening and we'll see you next time goodbye goodbye <laughs>